Welcome to Behind the Bill, podcast by the Webster Auto Collective. I'm your host, Sam Webster, and I'm excited to take you on a journey behind the scenes of the automotive world. Each episode will dive deep into the minds of automotive enthusiasts and professionals, exploring their passion, creativity, and automotive culture. We believe that behind every great build is an even better story worth sharing, and we're here to uncover those stories. From classic cars to modern machines, from racers to collectors, we'll bring you the stories that make the automotive world so exciting and diverse. Whether you're a seasoned gearhead or just love cars, we invite you to take a dive into the minds of a modern-day car enthusiast. Welcome back to the podcast. Our guest today is Josh Oates. He is the owner of the Dark Yoda. You've probably seen his truck on Instagram. He's all over the place. He's got over 100,000 followers and an amazing truck with an insanely long list of mods. And so I'm really excited to talk to him about his truck and how it's progressed and what being a car enthusiast means to him and you know, how it's changed his life. So thanks for being on the podcast, Josh. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. Totally. So tell me a little bit about your truck. What are you driving? So it is a 2019 Toyota Tacoma TRD off-road. Um, I bought the thing September 2nd, 2019 with seven miles on it. And this was my first truck. I came from the stance car scene. So like three piece wheels, air ride suspension, and, you know, I told my wife at the time, I was like, hey, we had just gotten married. I was like, I'm just going to do some suspension, wheels, tires, and maybe sliders. Uh, yeah, that, that went out the window pretty quick. So. <laughs> How quickly did it take you to do those first initial mods? So those were actually done in the first couple months. I think we started cutting into the truck, doing the, the cab relocation when the truck had like 2,000 miles on it. Yeah. Nice. So it didn't stay stuck. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. That's how it goes for me too. It's like day one. I already, if I'm not doing something, I have a list of things that are ready to go on the truck parts already that are ordered or something. Oh yeah. Like so we just, Whoa. we just bought my wife a 2023 RAV4 hybrid. It's not even delivered yet. And I'm already talking to the companies I work with and she's like, do not touch my car. <laughs> <laughs> my wife is the same way she's like my car gets to stay stock nothing happens to it like, all right fair enough yeah fair that enough. makes sense i can have all the crazy cars yeah so what was the first mod that you ended up doing first mod was you know like every tacoma trd pro grill um and then i went to the scs ray 10s with 295 7017 Yokohamas um, and just an easy Bill Stein 6112-5160 kit with an Icon Adelief. Sweet. And so is that like, what, like a 33? Yeah, it's like a 33.2 or like that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And so the were you rubbing at all at that point? Yeah. So that's that's why I did the whole, first I started with the, the cab mount chop, still rubbed a little bit. Um, but it was very minuscule. So the SCS were negative 38 offset. So that's what made it rub. Because um, I know you can fit like a 285 7017 with a 17 by 9 negative 12 without doing a cab mount chop, I believe. And of course, I was an idiot and went one size too big and too aggressive of an offset. I was just getting started, man. I didn't know anything about it. I was like, all right, let's just stance this thing out. You know, it's right. like, from. What were you driving before the truck? Uh, it was a 2004 Acura TL six speed. It had the Brembo big brake kit up front. 
um, air ride suspension. I had like your house hardwood flooring in the trunk with my air setup, three piece work wheels. Um, yeah, it was, it was a stupid car. <laughs> was it drivable or was it so low that it was scraping on everything? Well, it, I, it was static meaning coilovers for a, a bit. And yeah, that was just scraping on speed bumps. And I was like, man, I'm getting too old. This is stupid. And then I put air ride in it for like a year. So nice. So soft. You just push a button and it comes up. You go over stuff, push a button. It goes back to right height. Yeah. Is it the same kind of deal? Like it was only stock for a fraction of time. You owned it and then started. Yeah. Cutting it I, apart. Got, I got that thing. And the next day I was ordering parts for it. <laughs> nice. So, so you're not, you don't just come from a truck background, obviously, you know, stand stuff car. So was it, was it mostly cars before he got into the Tacoma world or were you into trucks as well? No. So I had always wanted a Tacoma, um, from when I was like 15 years old, but like, you know, they hold their value like crazy. 15 year old kid couldn't afford a $25,000 truck, you know, mm -hmm. even a used second gen, there was just no way at the time. Um, so I got into the car scene. My first car was a 98 GTI little two door with the VR six. And I loved that thing. And then I got the Acura and then I was like, you know what? I'm old enough, make enough money. I'm going to get a Tacoma. And like I said, I was like, I'm just going to do a couple little things here and there. And that's what it's going to be. <laughs> and not what it was. <laughs> what was it about the Tacoma that, you, that drove you to it? It's just a small, capable, reliable little truck. I mean, it can take you anywhere, do just about anything. I don't have anything that I need to tow or pull or do anything with. So, I mean, for me, that little truck made the most sense. It was just myself and my wife and, you know, that was it. I don't need, I did at the time. Now I need to get a bigger truck. But at the time it was a perfect little truck, man. I didn't have to worry about a single thing on it. I could just take it anywhere, not have to worry. It just, it just went. And the looks of the third gen to me were my favorite. So I was like, yeah, I got to get a third gen. Yeah. I was on the same note. I, I knew the third gens were coming out and I was going to hold off until I could find one that, you know, was a decent price. Obviously mine was destroyed when I bought it, but I wanted the third gen look and I, I didn't want to, I wanted the upgraded interior and, and it's essentially the same cap and same everything yeah. else, but I wanted that in, upgraded interior and you know, I just love them. They're fun. They're, I think one of the I get mine, I bought mine like fall 2019, probably like October 2019. So similar to when you got yours. Yeah. And started, you know, rebuilding it and cutting it apart. Well, it was less cutting it apart at that point. It was more just like trying to straighten things out and get it running and register it again because it had a salvage title. Um, so I had to get a, re a rebuilt title. So started in a different place than you with seven miles, brand new. And you know, that's even like a, a harder pill for people to swallow is like cutting apart a perfectly good truck. Like yeah, that was, that was that was my first brand new vehicle. I was like, you know, what? I always wanted a Tacoma. I'm at that point where I can get a brand new one. I'm just going to get a brand new one. And I was like, like I said, I'm a couple little things and then started cutting into it. Right. <laughs> um, so rock sliders, cab mountain relocation, wheels, tires. At that point, were you documenting this, the process of the, like a transformation of the truck on Instagram or were you just kind of doing it for fun? Kind of. Okay. It was more of like a little hobby. I didn't really think 
that the truck stuff would actually take off like it has. Um, I started doing, you know, pictures and stupid little videos with an iPhone 8 Plus and downloaded Lightroom, started messing with photos from, you know, my iPhone 8 Plus and started posting more regularly. And it got to the point where I was posting, you know, five times a week. And that's when things just started taking off, man. This is this is old algorithm, not this new algorithm stuff where it's all video, 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 video. But my page went from like 1,500 followers to like 2,000, 3,000. Then I was at 5,000 and then 10,000. Um, and that's kind of when I started working with a lot of companies on the truck. And I was like, yeah, this thing is not going to stay this way for long at this rate. And it hasn't. <laughs> no, not at all. So you said that you were, you're working with these different companies. And how do, how do you do those deals? How, so sponsorships, I'm assuming, some of them discounted parts on others. Maybe for people that are listening that have a following or want to build a following like what's the best way for them to hit up these companies and provide value for them to be able to yeah so so the biggest thing that people you know they don't realize is like hey you get all your parts for free it's not the same dude i've invested so much time and i continue to invest so much time into each one of these companies right so when i reach out to a company um and it'll go both ways as you grow right like like you know you know i'll reach out to companies that i really want to work with but then sometimes companies that I don't know about will reach out and like, oh, their stuff is actually really cool. So I would like to work with them, right? Um, but when you reach out to a company, you need to you know, tell them who you are. What do you do? What makes you different than the average Joe? What can you provide them that's actually going to make their investment worth it? Let's just say for numbers sake, let's say it's like a $2,000 product, right? That's retail. Their cost is probably about 1000 to 1250 bucks. So what is, what is that company getting in return for that $1,250 investment? You know, whether it's content done on professional grade equipment, whether it's getting to an audience, getting their product out there, um, you know, in front of new people, new eyes, uh, people buying, you know, new trucks, like, Hey, I don't know where to start, but I saw this on this guy's page. I kind of want to check that out. Right. So just providing a value of, hey, I know you're investing this much into me. This is what I'm going to give you in return. Right. And sure. it's also your time. Like for me, when I get new products or I go out and film, I'm driving, you know, an hour to two hours. I'm filming for two hours and then I edit for like five to six. You know, I'm investing a lot of time into it. And they're like, OK, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you yeah, know, you've been really successful with that, right? You have a lot of companies that you partner with. Yeah, um, I've gotten to work with a lot of awesome companies from the beginning, and it just kind of keeps developing, man. This this overland off-road pre-runner, you know, uh, scene is just so big that there's so many new companies all the time. And I've gotten to kind of pick and choose who I want to work with. And my thing is, is I don't want to be just like every other build, you know, Um and that's kind of how I started the truck. And I think that's why people were kind of drawn to it is because it wasn't what everybody else was doing. You know, it's not the same brands that everybody's running. I was trying different stuff and it was working really well and I was loving the products. And then more and more people started doing it and started trying them and it just kind of spiraled from there. That's so cool. It's really exciting when you get to that point where people start reaching out to you and they want to give you their products and you know, you those relationships are, are fun and it, it starts to snowball too. You start to build yeah. 
you know, rapport with a brand and like, hey, we've got this new product that's coming out. Do you want to test it? And then other companies see that you're working with other ones, maybe a competitor or something, that something that lines up with their their uh, audience. Yeah. And they're like, you know, maybe this person will be a good person to send. Like someone just sent me a, a torque wrench. I did never heard of this company. They make, looks like they make nice tools. And so like, you know, try out this torque wrench, let us know what you think, you know, we don't, we're not asking for anything from you, but obviously for, because they sent me something. Yeah. Um, it's like, I'm going to make some content about it and I'm going to talk about them and I'm going to post about it. And, um, it's, it builds goodwill. And, you know, I've, I was talking to, um, Josh from dark defense. Yeah. I know Josh he, really well. Yeah. And he, so I've, you know, I've been working with him a little bit. I'm an affiliate for him and I know that you are too. And, or, or were at some point. I, I don't know what your relationship is now. Yeah, I think um, I was. I think I was one of his first sponsored rigs way back in the day. That's probably yeah. two and a half, three years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he he was like, you know, there's this guy, Dark Yoda. You know, I send him a decent amount of money every month because he drives sales for me. People use his affiliate code and make sales, and you know, I I kick it back to him because it's been helpful to build his brand. And you know, I think that's that's the biggest thing that people don't see when they're thinking about like, I want free stuff. It's like, it's not really free. Like you have to do something for them in return. Otherwise it doesn't make sense for them to send you stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like how much of the stuff on your truck have you purchased yourself versus you know, working on a sponsorship program or whatever? Cause I think people think with right. an account as big as yours, all that stuff is free. You don't pay for any of it, which I doubt is the case. So actually a lot of it is. Is it? Like a, a lot of it is. Um, but part of that is, you know, building relationships with these companies and working with some of them for a year, two years to the point where, like Josh from Dark Defense was saying, have driven so many sales and brought over so many people to, you know, try out their quality products and then falling in love with the products and then they buy more stuff from them. Um, it's gotten to the point where with a lot of the companies I work with, I, I can reach out and be like, Hey, let's just say I'm like my battery or something like, Hey, my battery shot. I need, I need two batteries. So like, well, why do you need two? I'm going to do a dual battery. If I'm going to redo the whole thing. Cool. Here's two batteries, you know? Nice. Um, but like, like you said, it's, it's not free because I've invested a lot of time and energy into these companies and into learning videography, photography, and making it worth their while, you know, to the point where they can put the pictures that I take for them on their sites, right? They can use them for ads, use the videos for running promos and ads and all that stuff, right? right. Uh, but I would say as of the, as of how the truck sits right now, I would probably say about 90% of it sponsored. Wow. That's amazing. 90, 95%. That's killer, man. That's a huge chunk. Yeah. So I it's, think that's it's a journey. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, the companies, I mean, the way they're looking at it is like it's user generated content, you know, so they don't have to have a hire a photographer to go out and shoot the stuff. They don't have to hire a video editor to edit videos. Exactly. And they don't need to find, they don't need to go promote it, pay to advertise it to an audience because you already have the audience. And so and that's, like, that's one of the things, right, is you're not having to run ads and pay for ads and promotions and all that stuff, because let's say you're a company with 50,000 followers, 
there's a good chance that 49,000 of those people, right? Let's say, let's say you have 50,000 as a company and I've got 110. There's a good chance that 109,000 of these people do not follow you, you know? So that's 109,000 people that are now getting to see your products and your content for the first time, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's one of the things that I, I tell people that they're like, you know, how do you get sponsorship? How do you do this? It's like, you got to build skills. You got you to gotta learn how to take photos. You got to learn how to edit video and shoot video and then make it entertaining. Like, you, and it just comes by doing it. Like, you just have to sit down and spend the time to actually do the work to build the skill. But, you know, there's skills that will last forever. And in your case, like, you have a crazy truck and most of it is funded by or all the modifications are funded by companies because you have that skill stack that you yeah. can go and use to you know draw um, get people's attention and drive sales, which is amazing. I mean, my audience is a third of the size of yours, and it's it's cool to see. Like, I mean, even with I've got like thirty k, um, there's still a lot of people that reach out to me and, and want to do some sort of partnership, which is great. And yeah, man. So I mean, if, that's part of it, right? You, like you said, you build a skill, you build an audience and you can work with a lot of companies. It's, I'm sure, you know, like you have to turn companies down. Cause I always tell companies that like, Hey, we want you to do a YouTube re review on this product. And I tell them straight up, I'm like, Hey, I don't run crap products. Like I won't say that to them, but I, I don't like to run crap products. And if a company is sending me something and I'm like, I know that this thing is garbage. I let them know ahead of time, like they're, they're going to pay me to do a video and, you know, post their, their product and review it. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now, you are not going to like my review. I do not think that we should do this. Right. And they're like, Oh, okay, no problem. So when I, when I review a product, it's generally something that I've seen before, looked at before, like had interest towards, and I think is going to be a good product. And even then I'm like, Hey, this thing is actually garbage. You know, don't, don't get this. It's good for like a budget type build, but it's not going to last you forever. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, to me, that's super important because like influencers get a really, really bad rap of, oh, they're just pushing whatever they got for free. I mean, some probably do. Yes. But I've gotten products for free that people have probably never seen on my page. And I'm like, this not good, you know? So the products that I, I would say, put my stamp of approval on are products that I actually stand behind from a customer standpoint, um, customer standpoint process, as well as the quality of their products as well. Yeah, I've gotten products in the mail and used them. I'm like, man, this really sucks. Yeah. Like I, I almost don't want to promote it because I just feel like it's not, like I don't want to stand behind whatever they're doing. And I don't, and I'll, I'm honest with them. Just like they don't feel comfortable with it. I can send the stuff back to you if you want. Most of them are like, yeah, I don't care about it. Just, yeah. And that's, that's baked into their business model. I'm sure, you know, you know, 20% of the people are going to say, mm, I don't know about that. And yeah. That's just how they think about it. But so do you work in the automotive industry? Like as a, no. for your career? No, nope. Nope. So I actually work for uh, Verizon wireless. So. I do, I'm in B2B, so business to business sales. I've been with Verizon coming up on four or five years this November. Um, but I basically handle everything from 
Denver area to up north in Longmont, anything from zero to 500 employees. Okay. So you're selling like the whole suite of business solutions. Yep. Rise and rise. Yep. Yeah. Vehicle tracking, all that backup internet, cool. all that stuff. Yep. Gotcha. So that funds the hobby. Yeah. Which has, uh, how, how big of, like how much amount of time do you spend working on cars, thinking about cars? Like, is the car enthusiast thing like a, a big part of your life? Yeah, no, for sure. I'm always thinking about, you know, going to the mountains. What do I need to do to the truck to make it better? Like it's constant, constant, constant. And then I do something and then something else, you know, gets messed up. Like, okay, cool. Well, how do I upgrade this to make it so this doesn't happen again? You know, or how do I make it like for my steering rack, right? You've got 35s, you've got bead locks, you've got all of this armor and weight on your truck. The, the factory third gen steering racks are not good for for what we're doing with these trucks right i've gone through three of them um so what i did is you know i partnered up with solo motorsports and i i did their tundra steering rack conversion now i don't care dude i i don't i don't think that that rack is i'm not worried about it failing i'm not worried about bent tie rods i did their their clevis steering upgrade it's double shear it's stupid thick um it's just one of those things where like before I did it, I was always worried about it because in Colorado we're, we're crawling over rocks. Right. And then you get to a point where you can't turn one way and you have to kind of move, but you have to force your steering wheel. I'm like, I'm going to bend a tie rod. I'm going to blow out my rack. And now I'm just like, meh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's something that I'm thinking about. Also, I was like, I still am running the stock rack in the front and I know I'm just going to destroy it because you know, the rest of the truck is set up with like, I mean, I'm building a truck to go really fast over big bumps in the desert. And so it's just going to, the tires are just going to move around and just break everything. Yeah. And I'm also, you know, the, the knuckles, the uh, spindles, everyone puts the gusset kit on there and, you know, upgrades those. And in the rear, like I'm, I'm running a Ford axle with Chevy brakes and it's the same bolt pattern as a Toyota, but the front needs to be upgraded also. Um, and so... I'm working with, you heard of Send Cut Send. Uh -uh. It's a, a laser cutting service. Um, one of their guys, his name is Jay Colland, and he builds these this crazy, he's building like a Hayabusa powered off-road race buggy thing. It's like all custom design. He's got like milling machines in his garage and he's become a buddy of mine. And I'm gonna work with Send Cut Sends and Jake to build custom design spindles using Chevy hubs and like full box frame everything and i'm that really excited because, yeah the camberg makes a setup um but i've heard a few people aren't super happy with it because the wheel speed sensors don't work right and they've gotten okay. rid of them and yeah, so actually, we'll work. i was looking into running those because i mean dude they're beefy as all hell yeah they're super um, beefy. i've cracked both my spindle my welds on both my spindles twice now so have you really yeah 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 it was a uh, mgm yoda Louis Bruno. Yep, uh, yep. Yep. So he, he was running them on his for a while and he ditched them and put regular spindles back on it with, with like a gusset kit on it. Um, but Jake and I are going to build custom designed ones. So I'm going to most likely use the front hubs off of a Chevy 1500 pickup. Mm -hmm. um, and then they've got the same kind of wheel speed sensor pickup. And then I'm going to like, they're going to be full box frame everything and like super beefy. And I'm really excited. So. I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, that'll be sick, dude. Yeah, they're 
there we're i think we'll, we're going to come up with something that's pretty unique and uh it'll be a good thing and I'm, i'll make a, a cut cup uh, cut file out of it so people can just go to send pet send and cut out all the pieces for them and then just find a welder and the welder can can you know, put it all together yeah. yeah that'd be so, that'd be really cool because i've both my hubs have gone bad and been have they? yep yeah so we'll get hopefully have we're going to start that project like mid-july something like that and i'll be documenting the whole thing on instagram so people can kind of watch and follow along i'm sure there's going to be else that's uh, interesting them because i haven't seen anybody else that's out there doing a chevy conversion um to go to hubs so we'll see yeah, that'll be cool see how it goes. should be a fun project but i need to upgrade my steering rack also because it's just going to destroy it so solo motorsports you said is who yep. you're Solo motorsports makes a it's a i think a first or second gen tundra steering rack and then they have the Himes, the the Cleva steering, the double shear upgrade. Um, the only thing that the kit didn't really come with was something to weld to the spindle or the knuckle for the double shear. So we had to just kind of make our own, which wasn't bad. You know, I work with uh, True Automotive and running for tacos a lot. Mm -hmm. And Austin over at True Automotive was like, ah, oh, yeah, give me an hour. And he got his cardboard out and started drawing and cutting and made the double shear. And once you start doing all this stuff to these trucks, man, they're just not as reliable as they once were. So when my hubs went bad, what it did, and this is a huge testament to uh, power brake. So... When my hub went bad, it put my driver's side wheel at negative three and a half degrees of camber. When it did that, it forced the rotor into my double shear. And I was like four or five miles from home. And I was like, I'm, I'm getting home. I'm not going to get a tow truck this close to home. And so I just limped it all the way home for four or five miles. And that double shear had carved out the rotor, but the brake still worked. It was nice. wild. Um, so new hubs, new rotors, new pads. Uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things where shit happens, you know? Right. So you're using power brake front and rear. They don't have a rear kit, um, just for the drums, but the front kit is very, very well thought out. So it's a six, six piston caliper. Um, you've got inlets on both sides. So fluid actually brake fluid goes through both sides. So collapses the pistons at the same time. So it's not like your OEM caliper where it's collapsing this one a little bit faster than this one. It's all unison, you know, a bigger strike pad, obviously. They've got more cooling vents. They're a larger rotor. Um, you just have a larger surface, and it's a night and day difference. Um, they do offer an OEM upgrade kit. So that's mine is their X line, which is their, their true big break kit. They have a D line, which lets you keep your 16-inch wheel you use your factory calipers. They use the same compounds and composites for the pads as the big brake kit, but it's a smaller surface like your OEM one. And then they give you a performance rotor. Um, this is probably one of the products that actually gives you information as a user because they've got uh, temperature pen marks on them, right? So it's like blue, it goes to red, yellow, green, whatever. And if each one of those changes to white, you know you're hitting the next temperature on your, your brakes and your rotors. So it'll let you know, like, hey, you know, these were great when you first got them, but now that you've added 
3,000 pounds of weight, you need to get a full big break kit. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I've never heard of that before. That's yeah, pretty handy to be able to just visually see how hot the brakes are getting. Yeah, and then the, the true big brake kit literally has temperature gauges on the back side of them. Cool. So can you run, you have to run 17 inch wheels? Is that the smallest? For the big brake kit, yeah. The big brake kit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And you were saying you're, you're running Stealth Custom Series? That was when I first started, yes. Um, oh, okay. So where the, where the truck sits now, I'll give you like a basic overview and rundown of it, right? So we started with the Bill Stein 611, 12560, the Adelief, the Stealth Customs Ray 10s. Now we are on uh, Dirt King plus 3.5 long travel with locked off-road coilovers, bypasses up front with the hydro bumps, um, the Tundra steering rack, clever steering upgrade, double shears, big brake kit up front. It's got lockers front and rear, 14-inch uh, bypasses in the rear with hydro bumps, uh, Dobinson, their heaviest leaf pack with their Adelief in it because the truck is just heavy now. So now it's rated, I think those leafs are rated for 1250 to 1440 constant load. Um, but yeah. And then you, you've got a ton of weight in the back, right? So yeah. I, I was scrolling through your page a little bit, but you know, what, what's all the stuff that you've got back there? So, I mean, you've got the C4 high clearance rear bumper, uh, with the swing out. So it's a passenger opening swing out. So open sword, the passenger side. On the swing out, we've got 35-inch spare. We've got, which is 100 pounds, right? And it's a beadlock. So we've got five gallons of fuel, five gallons of water, uh, full deck system loaded with crap. Extrusion overland bed rack. You know, it's my, my rack is a one of one. I don't think there's another one that's exactly like it. Um, there will be very soon one of my buddies wants the exact same setup. And the nice thing about extrusion compared to a lot of other bed racks is let's say you lined up, I don't know, 10 Cali raised LED bed racks, right? You lined up 10 of them in a row. They would all look almost exactly the same except for maybe the height, right? With, uh, with the extrusion, if you lined up 10 racks, they would most likely all look different because they're like Legos. You can pick your own custom height. You can pick where you put molly panels, how big the molly panels are. You can have access gates in different quadrants. You can pick how many uprights you want. You can pick slide outs, like all this different stuff. So I've got that on there. Uh, it's the XTR3, so three uprights. Access gates on, full access gate on the driver's side, half access gate on the passenger side. And then we've got the FSR Evolution V2 sitting on top of that. So there's a lot going on in the back. It's heavy. <laughs> that is super heavy. Have you, have you put your truck on the scale to see how much it weighs with all the stuff on it? Dude, I've wanted to for a while, but I'm a little nervous. Just because yeah. the governed weight is like, what, 56.50? I, I think I'm 6,300, no problem. Yeah, it's a heavy truck. Hence the big brake kit. Yeah. So have you tuned it at all? Or do you have like a pedal commander or something like that? So I... When I first started, I did one of those um, DTE throttle box, I think is what they're called. Yeah. And that was cool. But the big misconception, I feel like, with those like pedal commanders and, you know, all those little throttle control modules is people are like, oh, my truck's going to be way better. Yeah, but your fuel economy usually goes down because you're, all you're doing is changing 
you know, where the computers are picking up your, your throttle, right? So instead of, you know, that dead spot in an OEM truck is like this, and then it starts going, it's basically saying, hey, this is actually this, right? Yeah. So my truck, I got it tuned for the 529 gears that I have in there, the 35s. Um, so it's change shift points, change everything. It's tuned for 91 octane. Um, yeah. Was the switch to the 529s a pretty big difference? Yes and no. So I was under the impression that everybody tells you like, hey, you, you, that's heavy Tacoma. You need 529s. It's going gonna, it's gonna to fix your truck, right? It's going to fix the gear hunting. Yep. No. It it does, but it doesn't. So my truck, you know, like if, if you're on stop gears, your third gear is now my fourth gear, right? Because I'm I'm actually hitting sixth gear, so like 75 for me, I'm 2300 RPM, 2250 in sixth gear, right? Mm -hmm. But going over the pass with how heavy the truck is, I'll drop the fourth all the time, sometimes third, then fourth, then fifth, fourth fifth third like it still hunts hunt for yeah i'm trying to figure out what to do with mine i had the axle that i bought had 488s in it and i've got 37s and i'm like i should probably just put 529s in it <coughs> make it a little better but i'm not totally sure i'm, the, I'm gonna have it tuned because it's gonna need it to roll all that and i don't know if it's gonna weigh less or more like i i really have no idea because i cut it in half yeah. And it's all just tuned now. And I the whole interior is ripped out minus the dash and the, the center console area. So <laughs> I have no It'll idea. Probably how less. I, it, I, my bet is that it weighs less. I'll have, you know, two batteries in the back, fuel cell all the way in the back. It's like 40 gallons or 32 gallons. Yeah. Um, and then 37 spare that's as far back as I can get it. And I, I imagine it'll be maybe a smidge less because um, I'm only going to run two seats in it and the seats weigh nothing. They're just a uh, fiberglass frame. Because you're doing, you're doing full like pre-runner, right? Yeah. 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 So it's, it's not, it's barely a Tacoma anymore. I've cut out so much of it. It's, there's not much of it left. It's more just like, I really wish that I would have sold the truck and then built a tube chassis and put a body on it. That would have been a lot easier than trying to, fit all the tube inside of the existing chassis and work around the frame rails and all that. If I could have just laid out some tube on a table and made a frame or a whole chassis and then just slapped a body on over it with some doors. It would have been like one of those so things, man. And just the next, one. next time you're like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. And now I'm trying to figure out like, do I even bother running the stock engine and transmission? Like I could, I could sell engine and trans for like seven, $8,000 from what I've seen. And then I could get an LS and throw it in there with a turbo 400 or something. And yeah. for like four grand, five grand, something like that and have more power like stock probably than I would. So going back and forth and what to do, but I just want to drive it. I, mean, I haven't driven it in a year and a half. I was gonna say, and I feel like this has been, I mean, it's a huge project. Yeah. Right. I was gonna say I feel like you're not driven your truck in like at least a year, right? Yeah. So I ripped it apart. No, it's been longer than that. Fall of 2021. We're end of yeah. the summer 20. So it's almost two years. 
Yeah. This like August will be two years. Um, I've taken like a six months hi six month hiatus though. Uh, it just I was in one shop and then I moved to another shop and that didn't work out and I had nowhere to go. And my it, winter time rolled around and you know we both live in the Rockies. I'm trying to work on a truck in the driveway in the snow. It just sucks. And all of the work, yeah, full bare. I mean, it's just bare tubes. It would have just rusted and looked like shit. So I parked it in a friend's garage for the winter and it's just sitting there. And hopefully next week I'm bringing it home and I'm going to start working on it again because I really want to get get it going. I've been asked to be um, have it featured at the Offer Expo in Akitun Off Roads booth. Nice. And so I want to make that right and have it done and bring it to the show because they've done a lot for me, you know, help me out with shocks and tuning and all this stuff. So I want to make sure that I hold up my end of the bargain, you know, because like I said, like they made an investment in me and I want to make sure that they get out, they get value out of it. Just like I got value. Um, but long ways to go. It's a rolling chassis at this point, which is good. So the next moves are, I need to build like the, the first half of the back half is done. Um, and then I need to build the cradle for the fuel cell and spare tire carriers, and then make all the uh, the mounts for the bedsides. I'm running um, their Chevy uh, trophy truck bedsides off of like a '70s trophy truck, which it's is kind of cool. Blast. Yeah, it's all fiberglass, and so they they're too long. My, my truck is weird because it's it's not a short bed and it's not a long bed. It's like right in between, so I stretched it about 10 inches. And that was just to try and keep the shocks out of the back, out of the cab itself, like where the back seats are. Yeah. Because with the links, um, when they're at full bump, you want the shocks like 90 degrees to it. And so that would have pushed them into the back seat. And so I stretched it to keep them out. I still ended up having to cut into the cab. I was going to say, I feel like you cut into the cab and your shock was mounted right there, right? Yeah. It's like, I can't run my, my glass anymore with the rear, the back window, because they're mounted right like on the lip of the back window. And they're still inside the cab, but only about four inches of them. So I could have stretched it a little bit longer, but that, from what I learned from other guys that are kind of coaching me along, it's pre-runner stuff. Like the wheelbase is kind of long. Uh, if you want it to be snappy and fun and like the short stuff, you know, try and shorten it up a little bit because trophy trucks are like the wheelbase is 12, 13 inches shorter than mine. Um, which is crazy because you look at them and they're big, wide things. You think that they're like these huge yeah, vehicles, but they're just wide. Yeah, they're they're relatively short. They're like 115 inch wheelbase roughly. Mine is 133, something like that. 130. Again, it's been six months. I haven't even seen it in six months, so I'm forgetting some of the stuff. But uh, that'll be the next move. I think that'll go pretty quick once I get it home, and then I got to do all the the engine cage and all that and hang yeah. fiberglass again because I cut out all the like there's no uh wheels anymore those are completely gone so I got to build all the sheet metal and everything for the wheel wells to keep all water and crap out of it it's a big project <laughs> it's like barely a Tacoma anymore but it's when it's done it'll look it'll look like one again I think uh, I hope it turns some heads because it's been a stupid amount of work and I'm sure it will be. It's gonna be gnarly. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I, I just want to drive it. Like, I am stuck in this phase of like just building and designing, and that's what I, I think a lot of fabricators do. Is they are like, oh, I'm gonna do this. I may as well just do that thing. Then I'll do that thing, and then before you know it, 
you don't even drive anything. You just sit in your shop and weld stuff together all day, <laughs> which is yeah. Weird. And so I want to get out there and drive it and learn to drive. And, you know, maybe one winter when I have my own shop, I'll pull the engine and transmission out of it and slide it back into the cab a little bit. So it's more mid engine and take it up another level, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I thought I was going to, yeah, I thought I was going to go the route that you went and how do like overlandy stuff. I thought that was really cool. And then I started diving into the uh, pre-runner stuff and I just got sucked in. It was over. Yeah. I just took them both and put them in together. <laughs> yeah. Cause you've got the long, you've got the same long time cat as, as me in the front, right? Dirt King three and a half plus three, five. Yeah. 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 So did you, are, do you have any issues with your CVs? Never ends. Yeah. My boots, my boots yeah. are terribly cracking. So I put, um, my Ooh. inner CV boots, both tore within like 2000 miles and most of them were road miles so i had uh i had them rebooted by cvj so the orange boots the polyurethane mm -hmm. and all that stuff um yep so far those have been good i just did a road trip to uh the salt flats so i went to moab for a night and then i went to the salt flats drove back it was like 1500 to 1800 miles round trip i think and the inners still look great I was actually going to go camping two days ago. I had my truck packed. I was taking both the dogs, um, you know, woke up, had to take my one of my pups to puppy class. And I looked at my truck and I was like, is that outer boot torn? And of course, my, my passenger side outer boot is torn. The whole kit probably has five, 6,000 miles on it. Really? So now I have to reboot the outer and then one of my um, axle shafts, it must have been binding in the diff because we pulled it out to reboot it and half of the inner teeth were like gone. So it's not good. No, we checked the diff. There was no like metal or flakes. We drained it just in case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, long travel is cool, but for 95% of people, don't do it. It yeah. is an absolute pain in the ass. Yeah. And it's, it's expensive to put it on and it's expensive to maintain also. It just goes through wear items so quickly. Yeah. And, you know, it really does. I'm playing around with the idea of just getting rid of four wheel jack. I just mean, that because... was my life a lot easier maintenance wise but i couldn't go anywhere if it was two-wheel drive i know if i that's the problem is like you know living in utah when you live in colorado right it's mm -hmm. driving in snow in Tacoma with big wide tires it just doesn't go very well yeah. especially and when you're off-roading and stuff too i mean two-wheel drive sucks we're just going fast and jumping over stuff like i want to do it can, can work as long as you have a buddy that can yank you out but Definitely, I know. I go back and forth. It's like I don't know what the right answer is because I'm only going to get like 12 or 13 inches out of the front um, yeah. with four wheel drive, but I'm getting 27 out of the back or something like that. And so, if I yeah, got I rid of the four wheel drive, I could probably get like 16 or between 16 and 18 out of the front. If if I was going to do like a pre runner style, I'd probably do a two wheel drive and just give it enough power. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Take out the four wheel drive. LS that thing, dude. I know, dude. That's really what I think is the best. Coming out the hood. 
<laughs> I love it. Kind of like uh, one of Brad DeBerti's did that yep. black truck, the six six wheel drive one, or the yeah. it's got two rear axles. Yeah, the big like stacks coming out. Um, is he gonna ask you what's going on? Oh, you said locked off road suspension, right? They're a relatively new company, aren't they? Yeah, I started working with Riley. Uh, he's the owner of Locked. Probably two. No, it's probably been closer to like almost three years now. Um, you know, at the beginning of this, I said I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing, which was Kings and Fox and Icon. Uh, I think, and I still think this, you know, Fox is probably like one of the best companies to run, right? In my personal opinion, people can get mad about it, whatever, I don't care. I think you're paying for a color with Kings. Um, they, make, they make a great product. But I think for what you're paying, you can get something that's like almost exactly the same build quality, um, but without paying for a name and a color. And for me, it's been true, you know. Locked off road is cheaper. I've had people that have rebuilt and revalved Kings, Fox, Icon, Radflows, all of them. And I asked him, I was like, hey man, let's pull these shocks apart and you know see what it's all about. And he pulled them apart and he goes, Well, it looks just like everyone else's, you know. Mm -hmm. Um the only thing that I mean there's one way to build a shock, right? It has to have shims for valving. It's got to have rods and rod ends and, and shock oil and wear bands and all that stuff, right? The only thing that's really going to change is the quality of those internal pieces. And for me, all I've really found with Locked is he uses great materials and great compounds and products. And why would I pay more for something that's going to be the exact same thing? You know? Totally. To me, it, it makes sense, and and I wanted it to be different. My whole build has been trying to be, you know, different. And as I got bigger, it got harder because I had, you know, some of the best companies, you know, like C4 wanting to work with me. Like, I can't turn down C4 to be different. Like, their products, in my opinion, look the best. They're great quality. I've beat the crap out of mine with zero issues. Like, but my suspension will probably always be locked. Nice. Yeah, uh, Louie, MGM, you know, has locked on his and I think rips. Yeah, with all the stuff. he's been loving it, man. it. Yeah, yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, I did. I went with King just because that was what was available. And they, I ordered them like right before the pandemic started. It took nine with months to get my right? shocks. What's that? With AccuTune, right? Yep. Yeah, working with AccuTune. Um, so worked out a deal with AccuTune and Tacoma Beast. So we would do a series. It kind of chronicles turning the truck into uh, a pre-runner. And so Mateo from from uh, Tacoma Beast came out and shot a bunch of videos and stuff. And then AccuTunes, they helped me out with the shocks and like the rear shocks for it are quad bypass, um, custom made for my truck, a bigger bypass They're tubes on them. Right? So what's up? Are they three O's? They're three O's, yeah. Yeah, um, and a three O. Uh, six, 14 inch uh, bypasses and I'm using a 16 inch coil over and 
I ordered that those because I thought at the time I was going to keep my rear frame. And that was kind of the limiting factor with the travel was it was going to, the axle was going to hit the frame. And so I couldn't go bigger. In hindsight, I wish I would have ordered a 16 uh, bypass. And I was going to say, I'm surprised you have the 14 or like a 16 or 18. Yeah, I, I wish I would have. Um, but it is what it is. I can still cycle like 26 or 27. I got to I got to look into it. It's a lot. It's like over two feet. So it's enough that it'll be pretty ridiculous for me, for someone who's never driven up your line. I'll get some good seat time. I'll learn how to drive this thing. And if I want to upgrade into something that's like even gnarlier, I'll go build something else that's like full tube chassis, whatever. Um, but Accutune's been great, super helpful. Um, but yeah, that's all I could get at the time this came. Like came, they said it's probably going to be like five months. Um, Fox, you're like, eight to maybe never, you know, they're like, they, they have, like 13 months at one point during the pandemic, yeah. everything was like 13, 14 months. It was crazy. Yeah. So I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. I mean, not Accutune's fault at all. They just couldn't source materials. The King yeah, couldn't source materials to build the shocks. Can't work with what you don't have. Right. So yeah, exactly. So whatever. I finally got them and it's all good. Um, and plenty of time for me to build the truck and yeah, you know, figure out where all the, shock mounts need to be in the links and whatever but yeah yeah I mean, like i said kings makes a great product yeah they do i'm not i'm not knocking their product at all i don't want anybody to think that i'm knocking their product at all um i just want it to be different and for me it just didn't make sense to pay more for a name and a color yeah totally yeah i get it um, even even Accutim was like king makes nice stuff but Fox is probably the premier brands. They higher quality materials. They tend to last a little bit longer. Um, but and King is kind of pushing more like development on, you know, reimagining what a shock is apparently. And that's cool. But, you know, King and Sway Away and like Walk and stuff like that. Yeah. It's pretty much the same. Like you said, it's a, a shim stack, a piston, there's oil that moves around, there's bypass tubes. So somewhere it's just how you tune it. Yeah. And that's the important it, part is like make sure it's all out. And yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny. You say sway away. Not I, all, most people probably listening to this. have probably never heard of sway away. If they're, you know, the average Tacoma user, it's, it's always icon Fox Kings, maybe rad flow, you know, mm -hmm. um, that was sway away was one of the ones I was looking into before I went locked. Yeah, the, the sway. A lot of people in the pre-runner world use swayway because it's a pretty affordable shock that you can get a lot of travel out of. But it's it's not really popular with like guys that are just modifying stock Tacoma, and replacing shocks that go into the factory maps and stuff. It's guys more guys that are building like hardcore off-road race type vehicles. Yeah, but people, I know people that swear by you know just tuning a swayway shock, spending a lot of time getting it dialed in the right spring, the right shins, and they go out and can rip it around and have a ton of fun. Yeah. So, I mean, there's solutions. There's a lot of solutions to the suspension problem for everyone. It's not like, yet. you have to go with a specific company. Well, it's also you know, a big everything. part of like where you live and what you do with your truck, right? Yeah, so totally. For me, I'm, I'm trying to find the happy medium ground of, I still want to be able to jump my truck every now and then, but I daily drive it and I crawl over rocks with it. So we've revalved the coilovers. 
two or three times. We've revalved the front bypass once. And I think we're going to revalve it one more time. And it's going to be completely dialed in. Nice. Right? Is it a triple bypass? <clears throat> yeah. 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 So the front setup is uh, long travel coilover tuned to Dirt King spec, triple bypass tuned to Dirt King spec as far as like collapse and all that stuff and the length and everything. And then hydro bumps up front. Gotcha. And are you using for your uh, upper arm? Do you have the one with the Heinz on it? They're adjustable or are you? Okay. I wish I did. Um, Me too. I wish I did. I did the bushings because, you know, it was what was recommended to me at the time. It was going to be less maintenance, quieter. And now I'm running anywhere from like negative 0.5 to negative 0.6 degrees of camber. And I've got no way to adjust it. Yeah. And the same way. I, I've never had proper alignment with my truck. I just can't get there for some reason. I don't know why. Louis said the same thing with his truck. He could never get perfect alignment, which it's not that big of a deal. Um, I think if I got the annoying. Hines, I could. Oh, yeah, with Heinz, there's so much adjustability on them. Yeah. Set it exactly where you want it, and it'll yeah, be fine. I think I have to swap out. Yeah. I know. I, I definitely I, I poked around at the LSK kit a little bit. Mm-hmm. Thought maybe I'd do that, but it's like 10 grand for just the arms, which. I just couldn't justify the price. Yeah, that's gnarly. Compared to the dirt paint kit. It just seems yeah. like totally nuts to me. But whatever. Maybe I'll just build my own set and make something that's a little bit more custom. We'll see. Um, one question that I'm going to start asking people on the podcast, uh, you're the first one, is like, what, what has been the biggest struggle for you as a car enthusiast? Like, that, what limits you as a car enthusiast the most? Dude, time, 100% time. Like for me, if I had all the time in the world, like let's let's say I quit my day job, you know, today. <coughs> and I could just go out to the mountains, just thrash the truck, find, you know, weak points that I didn't know were there and then figure out how to, you know, work with companies to upgrade them. That would be my ideal world, right? But with, you know, a full-time job, doing this all on the side, doing uh, my new business, which is, you know, build consulting. Cause one of the biggest issues that people run into like, Hey, I just got a Tacoma. I don't know what to get. Right. There's so many brands out there. Like we, we talk suspension. There's so many bed racks and roof racks and lighting companies and all this stuff. Like, how do I know what's going to work for, for me? You know, I've run a lot of stuff on my truck. I've switched up a lot of stuff on my truck. So I know what works, what doesn't. And doing that on the side with my full-time job, but then also doing part of that business that I started is monthly content creation for companies, right? And then we've got two dogs. Uh, We've got a little girl due September 3rd. Um, So probably going to be end of August, early September. And dude, time. (laughs) Time. I feel you. Yeah. I've also, I'm bumping against that also. My, uh, we're having a baby also. Congrats, uh, dude. O- October 19th. That'll be our first one. So super close to when you guys are having one. Nice. So I'm like, is this going to be your first? First one, yep. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? 
pretty good. Her room is yeah. her room is getting really, really dialed in. Uh, yes. We painted it, did wallpaper down like 40% of it all the way around, trimming it. Her crib's in there. My wife's chair's in there. Like everything's kind of in there and in place. Her dressers are in there. Mirrors are in there. All her baby clothes and all that stuff are in there. So nice. Yeah, we're we're working on the nursery also, and it's like a total time. mind. Yeah, I know time. It's like there's just not enough time in the day to do it, and you know the budget's going to change also. We'll spend a lot of money on cars, and yeah, it's going to be redirected a little bit towards more important things. But you know, it's going to limit the budget a little bit. Do you? How much? How much a year do you think you spend on cars? That's another one of the questions I like to ask people. Ballpark. <laughs> Yeah. I know you've, you're in a unique situation because you get a lot of this stuff through promotions and sponsorships and stuff, but like, I'm interested to know how much you roughly spend. So I, I did a, not a super detailed breakdown, but like my buddy Mitchell over at Blaze Off Road and I were curious about how much was actually into this truck. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I always thought, and I told people, I don't know, probably twenty, thirty thousand in, in parts, right? And we just started going off, you know, what I could list off the top of my head. And I mean, I know the truck inside and out. I know exactly what's in there, what I've changed, everything like that, right? But I think we came up to, I don't even want to say, dude, it's a stupid number. There's between between parts and you know what I would have paid for like labor. Um. About 105 grand. Wow. Um, probably 60 to 70 in parts. Yeah. But that's a lot. And it's a lot of, that's cool. Go back to time. It's a lot of time that I've invested in, you know, working with companies, promoting companies, and promoting brands that I actually like trust and put my name on. Cause at the end of the day, like anybody can get something discounted or free. You know, is it, it's a matter of like being able to be like, Hey, like locked off road. I would put my stamp of approval, my name, my logo behind this product with my name on it. Cause I trust it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's hard to promote everyone, yeah. but so far I feel like I've done a pretty good job and you know, all the companies I've worked with have said nothing but good things. So that's great. Yeah. Well, it's, and hundred grand on Tacoma on top of the purchase price, like yours is a heavily modified truck. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, I love talking to people like you because like, I think we're all, you know, on the screws because it's like such a poor investment. To, yeah. It's like, so put all this, but if it's I like so fun. To try and sell that truck right now. Technically it's like $150,000 Tacoma. Right. I'd maybe get like 80 grand for it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, you know, you go back to being like car enthusiasts. And I think one of the things is like, since I came from the stance culture, I've noticed that like nowadays the car enthusiasts, dude, I hear so much toxic crap about these kids that are getting into cars. And my thing is, Hey man, to each their own. If you want to squat your truck, squat your truck. I don't care. It doesn't personally affect me. If it makes you happy, you do you, right? I feel like that's an actual car enthusiast. Like, hey, man, if you think it's cool, that's awesome. Great for you. 
But now people are like, oh, you're an idiot. That's stupid. Like, why would you do that? Blah, blah, blah. The whole car scene has become like so toxic of like, hey, I'm better than you. You know, my truck's better than yours or this or that. And it's like, dude, chill out. We're all doing the same thing in a different way. And I'll be able to say, Mike, there's so much negativity around it. There's a lot of hate, you know, people don't like that, whatever modification or the style of the truck. Like, I am not a brand loyalist. Like, I've got a Toyota, a Land Cruiser, an Audi, and a Daihatsu, like a little mini truck from Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love them all. Like, I don't care what you drive. Just, like, as long as you have fun driving it and you enjoy it, that's great. If you want to drive a donk around with, like, 30-inch wheels, cool. Do it. I don't care. I think it's awesome. Like yeah. someone rolls down the street, you know, there's, I saw a guy the other day, like 30 inch wheels, chrome and spinners. And you have the top down. Like like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like a candy green paint. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Like yeah. that dude has put a lot of love and a lot of energy into that car. And People obviously don't realize how much that stuff costs, dude. Those yeah. paint jobs are like 20 grand. Right. Especially the guys that do all like the lowrider stuff where they, they powder coat and paint their whole chassis and it's got all the flakes in it. Those paint jobs are like 30 grand. It's ridiculous. And it's so cool that they would spend that kind of money on it because you'll never get the money back out of it. No, not a chance. You just won't. Like, I think, you know, there's one thing to like collect cars and ones that will appreciate and value and sell later. Yeah, we're too stupid to do that though. Yeah. <laughs> We're like day one. Let's see what, like, <laughs> I'm going to, like, I got an Audi A4 wagon because I've always loved wagons. I on the way home, yeah, on the way home from picking it up, I stopped at a shop, local shop, and bought a set of well-run springs and installed them in the driveway the same day. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just, like, <laughs> part of being, like, a real car nut. You just you always have to change stuff. And, you know, I get bored of my cars and all right, let's do an exhaust or like tinctures, like whatever, just to make it more fun to drive down. I'm the same and, way, dude. I always told myself, I'm like, I'm, I'm never going to do long travel. It's not worth it. I don't need it. And I mean, now I don't I still don't know if it's worth it, but it's really cool. Like if you go to my YouTube and watch like the Moab series we did, just watching that thing just fully extend out in the front, it looks like a freaking alien. <laughs> but like going over obstacles is so much better because my tires just stay on the ground where yeah. extended travel would just the, you'd be three wheeling where yeah. you'd be three wheeling my truck is planted you know yeah. and it gives it that amazing stance like it, they look so cool from the front oh yeah wide thing and i had a lot of people ask me like what like is that even a toyota what is that thing like it looks so wide and you explain it i'm like oh yeah it's a long travel kit does this and this I mean, most of the time I'm driving on the street. And that's the other thing. Like the off-road guys get so much hate. They're like, well, why would you run those big tires or a long travel kit or strap all that crap, tents and water and gas? You know, if you're just going to be a mall crawler. And when people say that, I'm like, because they like it. It's yeah. fun. They enjoy it. And like, don't hate on them. Just caught your eye, didn't it? Yeah, right. You're saying, you're commenting you're, on we're it. We're talking about it. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know, or the guy that parks at the end of the parking lot and you know tries to stay away from other cars. Like that's me. I park at the end of parking lots just so that I can see my car for the longest amount of time as I'm walking up to it. Yeah, it's just it's fun. I I love it, and I especially do that with my mini truck, just because it's so weird looking. 
And yeah, sweet. it's right-hand drive, right? Yeah, it's right-hand drive. Five-speed manual. So yeah, but, uh, twenty best $2,500 I've ever spent. <laughs> like it, that thing gets more attention than anything I've ever driven. I, like, I'm not kidding. Every single time I go somewhere, at least one person waves to me. People honk. They stop me at the gas station, want to talk about it. And it's like 40 horsepower. Like, it's so slow. Yeah. And, but it's people different. love it. It's different. Yeah, exactly. It, it catches people's attention. I love it. And that's kind of like I made those sticker packs. It's just kind of fun. It was like fuck boring cars. Yeah. I always joke, like, as we're going, going into being parents now, I've always told myself, I can't imagine a fate worse than driving a minivan. With like this I always tell myself I'll ever get a minivan. I will. I can't do it. I'd rather jump off a bridge, dude. Right. Exactly. And so that's why I made those stickers. It's like, fuck boring cars. You don't have to drive a boring car if you're going to become no. a parent. Or like, to be economical, you still don't have to drive a boring car. You can make something cool. You know, whether it's a 16-year-old kid driving a Civic that's lowered with like a loud exhaust. Yeah. Or it's the guy buying, you know, the McLaren or something like that. But there's a whole spectrum of cool cars. And yeah. I just that's why I wanted to do this podcast. Because you see all the cool cars. Your truck is all over Instagram. And, you know, you don't really get to know the person behind it. Like, why did you build it? Who, yeah. Like, what got you excited about cars? Why do you do the things you do? And that's, that's what I like to to know like the person behind whatever the build is is kind of the more interesting thing which you don't see a whole lot of hoonigan does a good job of that of doing like the build bios and stuff like that walking around the car and um and i maybe one day i'll do that when i've got time to go travel out to like go see you and you know, go walk around your truck and talk about it in person but you know i i want to know the person behind it and learn about you know their experiences and, yeah and, uh, why they do it going. yeah exactly so what's next with your truck you got big plans? Are you tapped out on mods? No, I'm not. Um, so I still have to do my fiberglass bedsides. They've been sitting in my garage for like nine months. And I feel really bad about it because I'm working with advanced fiberglass. Did the fronts, knocked those out. Um, and I love them. I've already beat that fiberglass to shit. I've already cracked one of them. But uh, I need to do the rear bedsides. But to do that, I have to take off the rack, the tent, the deck, the bumper. I need to take all that stuff off to get the bedsides off and then start fitting the fiberglass. Um, Is yours a short bed or a long bed? Short bed. Short bed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I said we got my wife that RAV4 hybrid, and that should be here middle to end of next month in July. Cool. Um, I'm, she says not to touch it. I'm probably going to do like wheels, tires, roof rack, lights on it and call it good. Uh, just for her. Cause I, like you said, fuck boring cars. I can't have it in my driveway, dude. I can't have a stock car in my driveway. I don't want it. Um, but when that's done, I need to get myself a new daily. And I think when I get a daily and don't have to rely on my Tacoma, I think that's when shit's going to hit the fan and the motor's coming out. We're probably going to put a Coyote 5.0 in it. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be wild. We're going to box in the whole frame because, as you know, it's a C-channel frame. It's it's pretty weak for how much weight I have on there. So we're going to box that in. Dirt King makes a kit for that that I have. Um, we're going to add reinforcement uh, over strut towers and everything like that. So you actually be able to jump it a little bit more. But for me, 
I need it to be somewhat reliable now because it's a daily driver. But if I have a daily driver and I don't have to rely on the Tacoma being reliable, then I can take stuff off and just leave it off and, you know, work on a six month project or motor swap and, you know, work with Mitchell blaze off road to make motor mounts for how we're going to fit this coyote five Oh in the Tacoma and how it's actually going to mount up and, you know, doing full custom wiring harnesses for it and all that stuff. I think that's probably going to be the next like big phase for this thing is get four or 500 horse out of it. So I can actually take it over the pass. Uh, it's basically built for 37s right now with everything that I've upgraded and swapped out. It's pretty much ready for 37s. I just have to do the tub. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So will you do, do you have to do a lot of trimming on the fiberglass, you think, to tuck 37s on the rear? Can you fit them in there? I you think I can more them in there. So like as the bedside comes down, there's like a little lip inside that goes towards the tire. I think I could cut that little lip and it, it should tuck. Yes. I mean, you've done, I mean, yours is probably one of the more heavily modified Tacomas that exists at the moment. Yeah. You've pretty much touched everything, right? And you haven't have you done anything to the interior? Yeah. So I've done, um, Custom tough stuff seats. So they're diamond stitch, carbon fiber, and then um, black leather on the outside, gray in the middle, diamond stitch. And then I've got a pistol pouch between my legs. And that's where my concealed carry kind of lives when I'm driving the truck. The back of the seats have a spot for two rifles. They've got um, extra pouches and molly plates on the back of them for extra magazines, random little things here and there, cleaning kits. I've got the full goose gear seat delete in the back. I've got a molly panel in the back uh, on the roof. I've got the Expedition Essentials um, TPAM with the Midland radio quad lock phone mount. And then I've got my Garmin uh, tread so it's got the inReach built in. It powers all my accessories, all my lights, my front locker, um, all of that is in there. And then I've got the Scan Gauge Three to monitor my trans temp and all that stuff as well in there. Oh, and the carbon fiber steering wheel. <laughs> that was a much longer list than I had anticipated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the patches. Don't forget the patches. <laughs> oh, the patches. Yep. Every Tacoma guy has to have a bunch of patches. It's mandatory. Yeah, so there's there's some bits in there. Yeah, man. That's crazy. And so what I mean, you said you you're gonna get a daily. Is this a daily that would be unmodified or will it be another just a, yet another project that will spiral? I think I don't think it's gonna be a big project. It's gonna be something that, you know, I can get knocked out pretty quick. And then just kind of leave it to be what I need it to be and do what I need it to do. I drive to an office on Wednesdays. I go out to businesses on Wednesdays. Other than that, I'm going to the gym, grocery store, little errands, taking the dogs to the dog park, um, 
And then the weekends, obviously I'm in the mountains all the time. So I don't need it to be crazy with, with the family growing. I think it's probably going to end up being a new Tundra or new Sequoia. Cool. That way um, I can get one of those overland trailers, put a tent on top of the rig. And that way, you know, as kiddo or, you know, if we have another one, as they grow up, they can have the trailer tent and then we can have our tent and kind of just go from there. But it's not going to be long traveled out most likely and unreliable, right? So it's going to be just, if I get like a Sequoia or a Tundra, it's going to be two, three inch lift, 37s, and then, you know, front and rear bumper sliders just in case, and then rack and lights. And just your minor modifications are heavily modified in some people's eyes, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're, uh, basic. They're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just basic stuff. And they're like, uh, that's five grand worth of extra crap or more. Yeah. It'll probably it's be okay. it'll probably be like a fifteen thousand, I think. Fifteen? Yeah. Between suspension, wheels, tires. Oh yeah, suspension too. I do a tundra, bed rack, tent roof rack lights and then my buddy mitchell blaze off road does all the wiring his wiring is insane dude i think you know touching back on like what's been done to the truck and how much is into it i think just his wiring has been anywhere from like 10 to 15 grand wow and is that wiring for like all the accessory stuff yeah yeah yep I can't remember. Did you say you've got a big battery in there too? Solar panels? I've got a hood solar panel by Cascadia 4x4 there. I think it's an 85 watt and that's connected straight to the full throttle battery. Gotcha. Yeah. And that can run all of your accessories and stuff. Yeah. And we're, we're switching that battery out for their bigger one and probably going to do the SDHQ uh, dual battery system. So we'll have the big battery. That's the crank battery, right? And then we're going to have the smaller battery, which is a, I think it's a group 35 that I have in there right now. Um, and that's going to be like the accessories battery. So the, the accessories and everything will have their own deep cycle AGM battery. And then the truck itself. So the, the starter and the winch will have their own. Oh, sweet. See you. Man, you've got a, uh... Got some cool stuff going on with that thing. It's <laughs> it's amazing. So if you could give some advice to people that you know either want to grow their social media page or they want to, you know, build some amazing truck like and they're just getting going, what what kind of advice would you give them? To grow a page, um, consistency, right? Making sure you're posting consistently and get a camera play with it, learn how to use it, you know, upload crappy footage into an editing software like Premiere Pro, um, mess with Premiere Pro for hours and hours. It's, it's super intimidating when you start, but as you go, things will get a lot faster. Your edits will get faster and they'll get better and better and better. But if you can keep a consistent, like three to five posts per week, your page will probably grow. If you're doing something that's entertaining you have an object you know your truck that's not 90 percent of trucks out there right you're, you're probably going to capture some some eyes there an audience there 
And, you know, when I first started video, it was probably just over a year ago. One of my my buddies, Sam Gardner, actually got me into video. You know, I was like, dude, I don't want to do all the stupid reels and TikToks. And, like, I just want to do photography, man. I just want to do photography, right? And that's that's what I did. And he was like, no, dude, you, you got to start being able to do your own video. And... I was like, all right, screw it. What camera do I get to start this stupid journey? You know, and I got a Canon EOS R and I used that for like a year and it's been great. And he, he taught me, you know, the basics of, you know, presets on the camera and what to shoot at for certain things and the basics of Premiere Pro. And then it just kind of spiraled, you know, that's another thing spiraled out of control. Now I've got a Canon R5 and I'm editing 4K video and all this stupid stuff. But the main thing is like evolve, get better at it, but stay consistent with it. That's the best way to grow a page and then be authentic. Don't be a douche where you're like, I'm better than everybody else. Like, dude, I've gotten so many messages from people just saying, hey, I reached out to like five other influencers and nobody responded to me. I think I've only ever like not responded to two people and it's because they were being like weird of like, Hey, I want you to take me for a ride in your truck. Let's go to the mountains together. I'm like, I don't know you like, no, but I think there's been one or two that I, I just deleted and haven't responded to. Other than that, everybody that's ever messaged me, I've responded to. Yeah. It's building those relationships with people and just being authentic. Yeah. I think, I think when I started doing it, I was trying to be, you know, the, the YouTube guys that I was watching rebuilding wrecked cars and you know, these personalities. And it just felt like I felt icky doing it because it wasn't like me. It didn't feel like my genuine self. And then I just it's like, fuck it. And just post whatever you want to post about, try to make it entertaining, be yourself. And that's what people latch onto is that authenticity. And it'll, you'll stand out from other people too. And you don't have to have some crazy car either to like that. No, no, you can, you know, you can have a civic and talk about it and take beautiful photos. And, you know, eventually consist, I agree with you. Consistency is the biggest thing. And my, my account, I haven't posted much on over the last six months because I don't have, I didn't have my truck. And so I'm going to have to dig out of that hole. It's going to take me a little while, but once you start, once I start creating that content again, I'll watch it start coming back up, which is really exciting. Yeah, that the algorithm is just it's ever changing, man. My page my page really took off after like 50k. Um, you know, I reached 30, 40, 50k, and then I had a couple of reels do like 10 million and get like a half a million likes, and I just gained like another 40, 50,000 followers. Damn. What kind of content was that? It was just rollers. Really? Yeah. It was just rollers. Like one one video of driving in the rain, I went under a bridge and came out. It was like 10 million views and like 660,000 likes and stupid amount of shares and saves. And I'm like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing is like people have all these followers and it's like it's so hard to engage with everyone because you're blowing up, you know, in, in today's algorithm off of a few videos. Right. And it's just like 
I don't know. I personally say like reels, like Instagram reels followers aren't necessarily true followers because they're like, oh, this guy has one cool video. Let me follow him. You know, and then they don't really engage after that. Right. Even people that I talk to all the time and like DM all the time, they're like, dude, I haven't seen your content in weeks. It's like, you just well, never know what you're going to get. Yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Some people see it. Some people don't. And I have no idea why. Like if we go through the analytics, some of our reels, it's like most of the people that see it don't follow me, which is good because you can grow your audience. But at the same time, all those people that you've already I followed you for with, a reason, dude, I want to see your content. I don't see it. You know, I know it's so annoying. And I don't know. I've, I've resorted to like the guys that I really want to see have resorted to putting on post notifications. So when they do posts, yeah. I can go look at it, see, see what they're doing. Yeah. But you know, the, like, the piece of content that booked the biggest for me was like 4 million views with a roller. It was my wife driving my truck into the driveway, like a head on shot and the car kind of turned a little bit. Yeah. And it's like half a million likes or something. Like, it makes yeah. no sense to me. Like it's ridiculous. There's no, there was no like educational content. There was nothing inspiring about it. It was like, Oh, that's just a cool car a truck yeah. driving down the road. Yeah. So just try stuff like post post all sorts of things at rollers you'll, it sounds like stuff you'll be like dude this is sick this is gonna this is gonna take off and it does dog shit <laughs> you know you're like <laughs> like the one of me jumping my truck i'm like you guys have been asking me to jump the truck the long travel it's like well over the governed weight like i'm nervous to do it but you guys have been asking for it i'm just gonna do it so out the salt flats i hit this little jump at like 40 42 miles an hour and i was like all right i gave them what they wanted did not do well. I was like, what do you guys want from me? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's a it's a wild ride, but it's yeah. super fun. And really excited to be able to talk to you about your truck. And we should touch base again because I'd love to, you know, hear you know, how it progresses and and all the different modifications you're doing and stuff like that. It'd be a lot of fun. For sure. Yeah, I'd love to. And like one thing I'll say for people that are like getting into the the Toyota scene is it's hard. Don't buy into the marketing of a company because that's how they'll get you. And then you'll have stuff that you're going to either want to upgrade or swap out because, you know, everyone runs it. So it must be good. That's not true. Right. Um, one of my biggest examples of this, and I'll probably get a hate for this is printed roof racks, you know, they were the OG. And when they first came out, they were the best option. But now they haven't changed how their rack mounts to the roof. But there's multiple companies out there that have changed that and I think make a way better product. But everybody, a lot of people run a Prinsu. So you as a new Tacoma owner, you're like, oh, I have to get a Prinsu. It's what everybody has. It's like, no, it's, it's outdated. There's, you know, I've run three or four different roof racks now. And every one of them has been better than a Prinsu. Um, I ran the Prince for a year and hated it. Right. Cool. But I, I got it because it was the most popular rack out there. I'm like, it has to be good, you know, but like AL off road makes a way better roof rack. Um, Sherpa makes a way better roof rack than Prince. just the way that they mount the crossbars to the truck is a hundred times better. It's a lot more rigid and a lot stronger of a rack than a Prince but Prince has the marketing and they're the OGs. So a lot of people have them 
And so you as a new person is going to be like, oh, I have to get that, right? It's not true. Just do research. Reach out to me. I'll help you. I've run a bunch of shit. Um, I know what works. I know what doesn't. Like, I know what's actually a good product and what's not and what's marketing. Like icons, I think, are probably one of the bottom of the barrel shocks out there. But in a lot of off-road shops that I work with, say the same thing, you know, between rods bending and breaking and rod end snapping and all this stuff. It's like, I, I don't recommend them. Not worth it. Yeah. Do a lot of homework before. I, I feel like I spend 75% of the time just researching Yeah, the part or the modification that I'm going to do and, you know, the repercussions of doing that before actually even doing it. And I think that's kind of a good rule of thumb because I bought stuff, you know, it's the buy once cry once thing. Oh, 100%. Sometimes, sometimes it's just better to buy the more expensive thing to start out with. Otherwise, and if you're not handy and you don't work on your own car, you're paying labor twice, you're paying for parts twice. It's just, it's not worth it. Save up and buy the more expensive part that's higher quality. And yeah. you know, isn't going to leave you stranded out in the middle of nowhere. 100%. Yeah. Well, awesome to talk to you, Josh. Uh, where, where can people find you? So uh, at the Dark Yoda on Instagram, Dark Yoda Co. on Instagram is my business. <clears throat> and then the Dark Yoda on TikTok and YouTube. Awesome. Man. Kind Thank of you. <laughs> Perfect. As you should be. So yeah, so go check out his stuff, guys. Um, he has an amazing truck, and obviously you get to see a sneak peek into all of the crazy modifications that he's done. Um, and you know, check out some of the content that he's made. The way he films things, the photographs he's taken, and draw some inspiration from that and apply it to whatever it is that you're building um, in your project. So uh, if you guys want to find me, obviously Webster Auto Collective is the car club. And if you want to join, you can go to the page. There's links there. And we'll start diving into this little project with Send, Cut, Send. So if you guys want to follow along with that, I'll be posting about it. And you can be involved in the process, the design process, because we're going to be kind of uh, doing a lot of these workshopping things live. And it should be a fun process to have other people's feedback. So everybody, Josh Oates. Thank you again. And yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll catch Bye. you in the next one. Bye.